So tonight we are continuing in our series in Acts. We're in Acts 14 right there at the end is where we left off. And I'm kind of excited about this sermon because I've thought about it. Well, the topic I've thought about like a lot of my life, but since I've been teaching the Bible, I've thought about this as a sermon and I've talked about this topic, uh, but never really devoted like a full sermon to it. So uh, tonight, the, the title of tonight's sermon is uh, No Small Dispute, Rules of Engagement. So we've all sort of had that moment where it's like, should I say something? Should I not say something? Should I enter into this conversation that's controversial and like trying to figure that out? I've thought about it too. Like on Facebook, this happens all the time. People are just throwing stuff all over Facebook and it's just like, should I correct this? Should I just let it go? Like, so we're going to just sort of talk about that. This is not a conclusive list of rules of engagement. There's probably other ones that I didn't think about, but I've got 18 of them. Uh, But at the end of chapter 14 in Acts, we left off in verse 26. So we're going to pick it up right there at verse 27. It says, Now when they had come and gathered the church together and reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So uh, here we see that they are coming back from their first missionary trip. It was a sort of a rough one. It was, you know, there was some violence against them. People were pushing back. It was, it was really uh, a tough mission trip. So they're coming back and now they're giving a report of Sorry. Their missions trip. What scripture are we in? Acts chapter 14, and we just read verse 27. 27. Yeah. Okay. So they're giving this uh, report of their missions trip. And this is a biblical thing. This is a beautiful thing that we see at Hope Chapel. We send missionaries out, and then they come back and tell us like how it went and everything that they did. And we are the ones sending them out. So it's, it's good to hear that report because the Bible says that we reap the benefits that the blessings that God gives those people for being missionaries that those heavenly gifts are also accredited to those who financially support missionaries or churches that send them out so uh, that's what we see here continuing in verse 28 says so they stayed there a long time with the disciples so they are home they're settling in they're back at Antioch and then it says in verse 1 of chapter 15 and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren Unless they are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these guys come and they're sort of saying like, hey, we have to like follow the old law of the Jews. And what's happening here is the the Gentiles, the people who are not Jews, have been coming to know Jesus. They've been continually coming and everything's changing. They're receiving the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples are like, man, something's... Something's up, something's changing. And so now these guys are coming and they're trying to put the burden of the Old Testament law on these new Christians. And they, what, I, what I'll say here is that this happens a lot. Like after a missions trip, a dispute between Christians will happen. It happens all the time. And I know I've, Anthony's laughing because we, we, we've experienced this. I know Aaron has, has experienced this. He comes back from a missions trip and almost right away, right? You're like, you're pumped about your missions trip. You're feeling great. You're sort of on the spiritual high. And then this jaded Christian comes and just like pops your bubble and brings up this dispute that you're like, ah, like all the unity that I felt while on the missions 
field is sort of like it feels like it's gone now and it's like it's like this weird thing that happens so what I'll say here our first two right here of our rules of engagement is number one do not get sucked into a dispute if it distracts you from God's calling on your life so God will give you something to do and if a dispute comes up don't get involved if you if you don't have the time if it pulls you away from what God has you to do just don't get involved in it just kind of let it go <laughs> you just have to you have to know when to do that number two is do enter the dispute if it is God's calling on your life which seems really simple but uh, it has to be said we're doing these rules of engagement and that's what we see here in Acts actually is that it is Paul's calling to enter into this dispute right if we continue in verse 2 it says therefore when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So the dispute comes to them, and Paul and Barnabas, they enter into it. And this dispute, this exact dispute about does the law still apply? Is it all fulfilled by Jesus? Which is obviously what the Bible teaches is that when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law and the prophets. And, and that's where we find ourselves in what we call the age of grace now. So we don't have to do all these weird Old Testament things. We can just live in peace with God and have right relationship with him. And so this specific dispute is a specific calling on Paul's life for the rest of his ministry. He writes about it in a lot of the other letters that he wrote uh, in the New Testament. And he really unpacks a lot of these ideas. And, and it's, he's sort of the perfect guy for the job, uh, which is kind of how God chooses people to do things. But uh, he is a Roman citizen and he's a Jew. So he understands the Roman way of thinking and doing things, but he's also been raised a Jew. And so he's like this perfect middleman of like talking to people. And that's what the book of Romans is all about. Bridging that gap and saying like, hey, let's all be Christians and treat each other lovingly and and sort of get along. So this is a specific calling on Paul's life. So he enters into that dispute. And this is sort of where we're going to take a knee for a little while. We can, we're going to come back to Acts, but let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse 3 says, he starts off by saying, if anyone teaches you otherwise. So he's all, this is toward, towards the end of this letter that he's writing. And he's saying all these things. And then he gets to this point and says, if anyone teaches you anything other than what I'm saying, right? So if anyone teaches you otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such these types of people right withdraw yourself so we see in acts that we are to dispute sometimes sometimes it's it's a calling on our life we are supposed to enter into those discussions and those disputes but here we see that these people are obsessed with disputes so we are to dispute but we're not to be obsessed with disputes and as he says here 
obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. So these small arguments, these small details. Uh, this obsession, the obsession to argue and, and argue over these minute details, it says here that it, it leads to envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicion, and useless wranglings. Or Some of your Bibles will say constant friction. This is actually in the original language. Paul sort of makes up a word here. He takes two Greek words and, and jams them together. Nobody else uses this word, and he's sort of making the point that it's like this incessant, constant, annoying friction. Like, that's kind of what that word means. It's just like this... Uh, it's like this constant thing. And that's what that leads to when you're obsessed with arguing and with disputes. So we are to dispute. Let's not be obsessed with disputing, okay? Turn your page a couple of times to 2 Timothy, right after 1st, and chapter 2. Verse 23 says, But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Sounds a lot like the verse we just read, right? This obsession with dispute leads to strife, it said. Verse 24 of chapter 2, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. So we are to dispute, right? But we're not to quarrel. There is a difference between a dispute and a quarrel. And if you actually look at the original language, when you look at the word dispute, it, that word means an investigating or a subject of subtle inquiry and dispute. So it's like, it's a, it's a discussion. In the original language, in the Greek, a dispute is something where you're having a conversation and you're trying to sort of get to the bottom of it, to the truth. You're not like two people, like opposing ideas, neither, neither of us is gonna budge and let's just hammer it out. Like that is more what a quarrel would be. If you look at the original language here, that word literally means to war. And so when we're talking about a discussion that is a war, that's an argument. That's just a straight up argument. And so we, number three of our rules of engagement, uh, engage with one who is looking for the truth. When two people are like, all right, what does the Bible actually say about this topic? Like, I think this, or you think that, but like, let's come together, look at the Bible and try and find what the truth of what the Bible says, what God says about this topic. Number four, do not engage with one who's looking for a fight. And this is what you see all the time online, specifically on Facebook, is people just throw out these things about Christianity, about the Bible, about God, and they're sort of fishing for somebody to disagree with them so they can just hammer on them. And it's just like, that's not, that's not what we do. That's not, you know, how we conduct ourselves. If someone is actually asking a question and they want to know the answer, that's something different. And this happened to me where somebody posted something like, I don't understand. And th this guy normally posts things where he's trying to discuss things and he normally likes to hear people who disagree with him. And he, he has these sorts of discussions on his Facebook page a lot. And he posted this thing about not understanding how people, Christians, could say, judge not, and then they disagreed with homosexuality. 
it's like, okay, this is a massive topic. And people were like sounding off about that, right? And so I asked the question, like, are you actually wanting to know what, like, are you wanting to have this discussion? Are you actually asking for an answer? Or are you making a statement with your question? And he was like, no, I'm absolutely like trying to get to the bottom of this. Like, I want to know. So I very prayerfully and gently like, hey, here's what the Bible says. And here's why we stand on the Bible. This is the word of God. He created truth. If he says something is evil, we submit to that because he is our creator. That's how it works. And so there was a discussion, some back and forth. And some people didn't like it. Some people were like, oh, I understand now, even though I disagree. And other people were like, cool, yeah, this makes sense, you know? And that happens if, if the dispute is done, you know, right, I guess. And so I'm not saying I always do things right. I screw up a lot. But that was a moment where I was like, okay, this actually went well. I'm, I'm encouraged because it didn't, you know, Godwin's law didn't. Explode, yeah. yeah. No quarrel. Right, there was no quarrel. And somebody started getting a little bit offended, and I kind of answered softly, and it, it, it ended well. And everybody sort of understood the thing. Number five, and this is actually should maybe be number one, but um, ask for wisdom. <laughs> like anytime a dispute comes to, to you, pray to God, like, God, give me wisdom in this situation. James writes that if you ask for wisdom, like God wants to give it to you. He wants to give you wisdom. So ask for wisdom, especially when you come up to these tough moments of like, God, should I say something? I think I should say something. Please give me wisdom, what to say, how to say it, how to conduct myself, and how to go into this dispute. Number six, and this comes from the Second Timothy passage. He's actually talking in this, this passage about people who love to argue, but they've also like strayed, he says, concerning the truth. They've, they've, they're teaching things that the Bible doesn't say. And he's basically saying these people have become false teachers. Right? And so here he's saying, if we read here, it says, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. Right? But then in 25, he says, In humility, correcting. So this is actually number six. Do not argue, but correct. Like, don't go into it quarreling, but just say, No, that's not right. And then maybe leave it at that. Right? Number six, do confront a teacher. Okay, and I want to be careful here to quickly move, or sorry, that was number seven. Number eight, do not confront a teacher publicly. Okay, so a good example of this is I was actually speaking recently about false teachers, and I said something that the Bible doesn't say, and Jaslyn the next day texted me, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> like, actually what you said, the Bible doesn't say that. And I looked it up, and so I looked it up, and she was right, and I apologize for that, and I I encourage. I didn't yell at you. <laughs> and I think it's a good thing, and I'm thankful for the courage that Jaslyn had to confront me on that thing. It sometimes it's tough to do, but it should be done, right? And it, because it keeps me honest, it keeps me making sure that what I'm saying is true and right, and I study, and I'm you know, and if I do say something wrong, I need to say, okay, yeah, right, you're right. I said something that was that was not right while speaking about false teachers. So, yikes. But um, I, <laughs> I appreciate that 
that willingness to confront me and it should be done but it was done in a, a loving way and it was done in a gentle way and a, in a way of like hey not in public like no that's false I disagree <laughs> you know but it's like off to the side hey you said this thing it's not right okay cool I can correct that that's um, not a big deal anyway however <laughs> number nine engage when an audience is being led astray and again, let's remember what number six was. Don't argue, but do correct. Right? Correct when an audience is being led astray. And um, there's one, there's two stories uh, about this quickly, and one is another Facebook thing. Somebody uh, that I know posted something on Facebook, and people were starting to like like it, agree with it, and it was something that's totally wrong the opposite of what the bible says and so i again sort of prayerfully was like i have to say something because this is really really bad like it was like god isn't good like it was something like easily like this is not good this should be confronted and i even remember thinking about i'm not doing this for him because i don't know this, he's got to be farther off than i thought but I'm doing it for all these people who are seeing him post this stuff. And so I, I posted a like biblical answer and then he tried to refute and I just didn't answer. I'm not going to enter into the quarrel. I'm not going to enter into the dispute. I'm going to correct it. I'm going to leave it. The word of God was posted and that's what I, that's, hard that's all I can do. In that situation. Yeah. A little, I don't want to go too long here, but um, there is something, another way of, I would say, what not to do. I know a guy who is an elder at the church and the pastor at that church decided to start teaching something opposite, like a theology that they had not taught before. Hey, they were at an elders meeting. He says, I'm going to start teaching this. And the eldership is like, mm. some of them were on board. Yeah, cool. Let's do that. Some of them were like, um, we need to study this more. We need to look at this more before we just jump right into it. So the following Sunday, the pastor gets up and says, I've talked to the eldership and we're going to start t teaching this new theology and I'm going to talk about it today. And so the guy I know who was an elder at this church stood up and said, no, actually, we did talk about it at the eldership meeting, but we said no. We said we're not going to do this thing. And so the pastor's like, all right, well, come on up here and you can... Uh, well, right now we'll have a debate in front of the whole church, and this this will be Sunday morning. And so the guy's like, "All right." So he goes up, sits down, and totally unprepared, tries to have this debate with a guy who's been studying it, has been into the whole debate thing, and the guy I know ends up getting really flustered, frustrated, gets up and leaves. And my point is, there could have been a correcting of standing up and saying, and again, hindsight. I don't know what I would have done in that situation. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but looking at the situation, you can correct that and say, "Hey, actually, we didn't agree on that," and then sit down. And if you can't bear this thing that is being taught, just get up and leave, and that makes a statement. But getting up and entering into the quarrel now it's hard to tell who the fool is. Like mm -hmm. we don't know what's going on, and so yeah. just correct the thing and get out if you need to. Moving on. A couple more pages to the right. We're going to go to Titus chapter 3. 
this whole chapter um, is is really super good. Uh, for time's sake, I don't think I am going to read. I was going to read verses 1 through 11, but I just I don't think I will just because of time. In verse 9, chapter 3 of Titus, verse 9, But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. This word admonition just means an encouragement with a warning. So you warn him and encourage him to stop being divisive if he keeps doing it. Reject him. Verse 11, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So, thinking about the verses that we just read, someone who is constantly arguing, addicted to arguing, obsessed with disputes, they're warped, sinning, condemned, and in danger of becoming a false teacher, if you look at 2 Timothy. The Bible is super clear about an argumentative person. We are supposed to dispute. We are supposed to argue sometimes, right? And we are supposed to dispute. But to be an argumentative person, that's wicked. That's sinful. We're not supposed to just going going around looking for a fight all the time. This is the same as like any other sin. Like it's not a sin to drink alcohol. It is a, a sin to, to drink till you're drunk. Like, it's it's not a sin to get angry. It's what you do with that anger. Or if you are an angry person, right? Like, when you make something like that a part of who you are, that's when it becomes a real problem. It's not a sin to argue, but to be argumentative, yeah, that's sinful. That's wicked. Don't make it a part of who you are. Um... Where does road rage fit into that? <laughs> I'll let you pray about that. <laughs> um, this is interesting. This passage here, he's talking about genealogies. There are genealogies in the all throughout the Old Testament, in the in the Gospels. Super important these genealogies, right? So even interesting and important discussions, they need to cease if they become foolish or contentious. And at that point, you kind of agree to disagree. Like, hey, this conversation just got a little too heated. We need to back, we just need to end it. And this is really, really hard to do. But um, I have a few proverbs I want to throw at you real quick. You don't have to go with me if you don't want. Um, They're just quick verses. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1. You can just read all of Proverbs and it'll help you on this topic. <laughs> Seriously, like, there's so much about it. These are just some off the top of my head that I, I, I put through in here. Proverbs in your 30s, right, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Pro- Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So when there's that, <clears throat> the anger comes up, if you can answer softly, you're going to be able to diffuse the situation. And the problem is our... Our nature is to answer in like manner, right? Anger, more anger, and it just it spins out of control and everybody gets hurt. Uh, so if you are able to take a deep breath, answer gently, you'll be able to get a handle on the situation. Proverbs seventeen fourteen says, 
the beginning of strife is like releasing water, right? You just turn on the nozzle just a little bit. Therefore, stop the contention before a quarrel starts. So if you've ever seen a dam, you just take one little rock out, and it looks like just a little trickle, but soon that thing's coming down, the whole thing. That small thing can just break through the whole dam. So stop the contention before a quarrel starts. Don't let it, as soon as you sense contention, use that soft word and get out. Conversation over. Put the stone Put back. Put the stone back. <laughs> Place it back in the dam. Dam. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 3. It is honorable for a man to stop striving. It doesn't say that it's super hard, but I will say that. It, it's sometimes it's hard to stop striving. It's honorable, though, for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. It is super easy to start an argument. I mean, you could just go on Facebook and throw one little thing out there, and you can have tons of people hating you. Like, you could easily just throw, throw something out there, you know? In a conversation like this, I could say something and really quickly get an, a, an argument with somebody. It's so easy to do. Like, anybody can start an argument. But not everybody, and it's an honorable thing to be like, you know what? We're not going to talk about this anymore. We're going to stop this conversation. Because we don't quarrel. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Number 10, after all these things that we've considered and read, rules of engagement, dispute, when you do dispute, when, when you think, yeah, I need to say something, uh, dispute humbly, gently, gracefully, peacefully, lovingly, and patiently. That's a big one. Humbly, gently, gracefully, peacefully, lovingly, and patiently. Don't go in guns blazing. Like, take a breath, try and be patient, try and be calm, and try and always be loving. Uh, number 11, do not dispute angrily. It's real easy, and sometimes when these things start, it's really calm and it's really gentle, and then one thing can sort of mm, irk you, and when you feel that, you just got to pump the brakes and control what you say and how you say it and, and pray in those moments for God to help you through it. Number 12, do not let the ambiguity of the internet change how you interact with people. The Bible's super clear that we're always to act like Christians. Okay, A Christian, a godly person, must always act that way, even when it's hard. But sometimes we get in these discussions and it's like, I'm going to say this. And it's like you would never say that to that person face-to-face. <laughs> and that ambiguity, even if you know the person, if you're not face-to-face -face with them, you just have a little more freedom and it, it can really get you in trouble. So consider that you're sitting with them as you're having these discussions, if they happen online. Let's go back to Acts. Get back to our storyline here. It's Acts um, 15, verse 3. They are entering into this dispute and they decide, okay, this needs to go on a deeper level, okay? So in verse 3, So being sent out on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. So a couple of things here. One, they're sent by the church. Their church says, this is part of your ministry now. And they are sent out by their church. On top of that, they're not being distracted 
from the mission that the Holy Spirit gave them. The Holy Spirit said, go and preach, make disciples, specifically to the Gentiles. And they're continuing to do that while they're on their way to have this dispute about their calling, right? Also, they are encouraging the brethren along their way. They're they're still being godly. They're still answering the calling of God, and they are being sent out by their church to do this thing. Verse 4. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. One commentator that I read pointed out that here they don't just show up to Jerusalem and jump right into the dispute. All right, we're here for a reason. Let's get into this thing. <laughs> there is a time of welcoming. And this this is super important that when you're going to have a discussion like this, have a meal with somebody. Buy them coffee. Pray for them. Have a time of welcoming. Hey, we're brothers. Let's do it. This uh, Starting that conversation, because I've had some discussions with brothers in Christ that we just disagree about something. And I'm like, I want to know more about this. I want to understand where you're coming from. And starting it that way is always, it makes the difference saying like, Hey, like we're brothers in Christ. Let's not let this like kill our relationship. Like let's go into this. Just let's understand one another and, and look at what one another has to say. Also notice that who they're welcomed by here. In verse 4, they're received by the church, the apostles, and the elders. This is a matter that they're discussing that needs to be discussed inside. This is not a, hey, we're going to post this on YouTube, and you know we're going to have this debate, and everyone's going to be able to like chime in and, and share their ideas. This is a the elders, the leadership going, this is a complicated situation. We need to come together, right, have this dispute, but it's like there, it's a, it's a, investigation, sort of, as, as the word implies in the Greek, they're trying to understand what God is saying, trying to understand what Jesus said, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and what Scripture says. And that all needs to come together to make the right decision. So this is a behind-closed-doors leadership of the church having this super important dispute. Continuing in verse 4. And they reported all things that God had done with them. So this is Paul and Barnabas giving more of a report about their mission trip. Hey, here's what God's been doing. Like, this is awesome. And this is what I hope and pray that always unites us as Christians. That we, even if we disagree on some details, that we are united in spreading the gospel. Right? Going into the world and making disciples. Let's unite on that. Let's unite on what the gospel is. Like, Jesus came in the flesh, said he was the son of God and God, and then died as a sacrifice for us, carrying the sins of the world. They put him to death. They killed him, being even though he'd never sinned, never done anything wrong, they just didn't like him. Killed him, buried him. He rose from death by the power of the Holy Spirit and then ascended into heaven in his rightful throne. So that's the gospel. Let's unite there and unite in bringing people to know God in a a right way. Verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up. So we've heard the Pharisees. These are the people that were butting heads with Jesus his whole ministry. Right? But these are Christians now 
who were Pharisees, and they're bringing their sort of legalism into the body of Christ. Like, no, we got to do all this stuff. I'm, like, educated beyond my intelligence, and I've figured out that we have to add to God's word. And so they're, like, bringing this burden of, like, this is how we've always done it, this is how we have to do it, and this is what's going to push them into the dispute. Some of the Pharisees, they rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Uh, and verse 1 said that what their actual dispute is, they need to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Like, this is a salvation issue. So this is number 13. Engage in that conversation when it's a salvation issue. One guy I was reading was saying that this has always been like one of the most difficult things for humans to grasp, that God would just graciously give us salvation. And we always want to add to it, like, yes, you're saved by grace, but you also have to be baptized. That's not what the Bible says. Well, yes, you're saved by, by faith in Jesus, and that enters you into the grace of God, but you also have to like take communion. And that's really the only way you can have eternal life. Mm, that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus said. And we always try and add these things. Oh, yes, we're saved by grace, but also this other thing. And it's like, okay, we believe in communion. We believe in baptism. We believe in the community of church and this being super, super important, right? But these are not salvation issues. We are saved by the grace of God. And when Jesus died on that cross, he says, it is finished, which is why we can have faith in him and when we do, we're covered by the grace of God, and we are given that righteousness that Christ had. That conquering righteousness is actually given to us by our faith in him. So we are seeing here what has always happened throughout history, that people can't receive just grace, you know? And we, we live this all the time. This isn't in my notes, but somebody gives us a gift, and we're like, oh, I didn't know we were doing gifts. Like, oh, I, now i got to give, them, give them, them a gift. You know, and it's one of those things. It's like it's so hard for us to just receive, and we have to get to the point of like, no, God is just giving you His word. He wants you to come into right relationship with Him. You didn't do anything to earn it. He just wants you to have a relationship with Him. Number fourteen is do not dispute with a fellow Christian on minor topics, even if they're important topics. Now, with that said. I don't mean that you can't have a discussion among friends, okay? Yeah, we disagree on this minor topic. But if those dis discussions distract you from what God wants you to be doing or what God wants you to be studying or whatever, if it distracts you from what God is doing, or if the conversation becomes foolish or contentious, then that conversation simply means to end. Like, conversation over. The internet is also no place for two Christians to be duking it out. And we see this on, on Facebook again a lot, where people will throw this thing out, to, uh, a Christian will disagree. Like, if somebody says something that I disagree with that I know is not a salvation issue, and it's like, they're just throwing it out there, <laughs> for me to jump into that conversation is not helpful, and it's actually damaging to everyone who sees it and to the person. We are now turning our muskets on one another, so to speak, Instead of entering into battle against the enemy, right, we have plenty of demons and Satan sending all kinds of stuff against us. Instead of fighting one another, like, oh, the demons are going to show up and like, oh, they're going to kill each other off. We don't need to enter into this fight, right? So 
we don't need to fight against one another. We need to be united with one another, even if we don't see everything perfectly eye to eye. Number 15, if you want to have a friendly discussion with a Christian, I would say to do it just the two of you and not in public. Again, I've witnessed this in coffee shops, two Christians just duking it out, and it's like, I'm really glad I'm not in that conversation. <laughs> you know? And I've, I've been on the other side of that, too, where it's like I go for coffee, and the discussion gets too heated, and I start looking around like, I'm not being a great witness. Instead, I'm just showing that Christians can't get along, and, and mm. that's a problem. So have that discussion among friends, keep it cordial, and don't put it on blast. Like, let's everybody chime in, let's everybody watch, we're going to have a debate. It's, it's just, that's a dangerous, it's a dangerous way to do it. But, getting back to Acts, it is a salvation issue. And it is involving the whole leadership. In verse 6 it says, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Number 16 always come together with Christians. Unity is so often sort of overlooked by Christians. The idea and the topic of unity, right? We are unified with God. We have this peace with God, and then we are to unify, have that unity with God's people, right? And it is of the utmost importance, this topic of, of unity. You see it as a theme throughout the entire Bible. And it's honestly part of loving each other. And what I'll, I'll say on this point is that with Christians, this is part of number 16, with Christians, the goal should always be to unite and draw each other closer to Christ. If you are having a conversation about a topic with another Christian, and it's not bringing you closer to Christ or bringing you closer to them, what is it doing? Is it bringing division between you and that brother or like make, making you question God? That's not a helpful conversation. So the goal should always be unity. Number 17, with a non-Christian, the goal of disputing, having that conversation, right? We're not talking about arguing or quarreling, but the uh, goal of that dispute should always be to unite them to Christ. Like, okay, you don't agree about this topic, what the Bible says about this topic. All right, well, let's have this discussion. The goal should always be to get them to understand and hopefully to draw them into right relationship with God. Verse 7 says, And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up. And we're going to talk about what Peter said next week. We're going to end here. Uh, but number 18 is if the topic is big enough, you need to include the eldership, the leadership of the church. If you're having a dispute with somebody and it sort of gets to a level of like, oh, this is like complicated. This is a really big topic. Like go to your leaders and say, hey, this thing's and maybe take that person with you, but involve the leadership, involve the eldership and ask them for wisdom and Hopefully, you guys can get to uh, the biblical truth of, of the matter. So, that's uh, some rules of engagement on how to dispute and how not to. And with that, we'll pray and partake in some cookies, cookies that Dustin brought. Thanks, man.
Dear God, I thank you for tonight and for this time to open your word and um, hopefully just glean some wisdom and truth from it. God, I pray that you will empower us in those moments of possible discussion to make the right decision, whether it's to not engage or to engage. I pray that we do these things uh, in order to glorify you and not to puff ourselves up or feel better about ourselves, but God, just to to bring people closer to a relationship with you and closer to the truth. And I pray that you will just be with us this week as we enter into everyday life and um, help us to get to know you and what your word has to say about just everything pertaining to life, God. Pray that you bless the rest of this evening and help us to be glorifying to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.